Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I'm Matt McConkie. I'm a writer, performer, and host of this podcast about And Just Like That. But now that we've recapped both seasons of the show, I couldn't help but wonder, should I go back and cover the original Sex in the City? The answer, of course, is no, but I can't be stopped, so every week I'll be joined by my very own Mirandas and Charlottes to unpack an episode or movie of their choosing. We're doing Sex in the City Roulette with extra Samantha and none of the Che. And just like Matt, welcome to the show. Folks, welcome to the show. It is a rainy Saturday afternoon here in Los Angeles, very gloomy, and there's nothing I'd rather be doing. It's about to get so cozy in here. We're talking about an especially cozy episode, actually, too. We're unpacking another classic from Sex and the City. This is season six, episode 13. It's called Let There Be Light. HBO's logline is, Carrie struggles to keep it light after spending the night with Alexander. Charlotte volunteers to help others and winds up in the dark. So that's their description. My description is that it's the one where Carrie takes a lover and learns about Google. It's written and directed by Michael Patrick King, my bestie. And speaking of Michaels and their besties, my husband, Michael, has a bestie from high school who lives in Toronto, and she is a second city main stage alumnus where she wrote and performed in three critically acclaimed reviews. She currently writes for CBC's The Great Canadian Baking Show. She co-created, wrote, and starred in the ABC.com series Newborn Moms, where she earned a CSA nomination for Best Performance. You've seen her on What We Do in the Shadows, Ghosts, Transplant, Kim's Convenience, Nadine DeJury. Hello. Oh, hello, Matt. Honored to be here. What a thrill. And our next guest, also a friend, and not to brag, but this one, we play pickleball together. You've seen her in Ladybird, Mad Men, Grey's Anatomy, a whole bunch of T-Mobile commercials. I saw her at a Verizon audition yesterday. I'm sure she booked that. And she's in three of my favorite shows of all time, Enlightened, The Comeback, and she's in this very episode of Sex and the City we're going to discuss today. Bane Gibby, hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I finally get to ask you everything I want to ask you on the pickleball court, but never have time. Yeah, because we're just we're just getting into it. We're just focused on the sport of pickle. We're just animals yeah. out there on that yeah. court. So Bane, before we discuss your star turn in this show... What is your level of fandom when it comes to the Sex and the City multiverse? Um, It's pretty huge. I was a massive fan. So I was living in New York City when Sex and the City was like at its peak. Mm. But for the first part of it, I was too broke to have HBO. (laughs) So I would like hear about people talking about Sex and the City. And I was like, that sounds pretty great, you know. And then at a certain point, I... Got HBO. I remember I rent. This is how long ago it was. I got out the old VHS tapes from the library to catch up. 
on the previous wow. seasons. So I was I was all caught up. And then when I actually got the guest star on the very last season, I was such a massive fan that I could almost not behave like a normal functioning human in all of the <laughs> phases of it, the costume fitting, the the table read. I was like, I mean, I was like in a flop sweat and I could barely hold like my Snapple iced tea that I had at the, the table read because I was such a huge fan. Oh my oh God. My well, God. Okay, we're going to go through every that, beat of yes, that experience yes, yes, when yes, we yes. get to that scene. But Nadine, I don't know this about you. Are you a big Sex in the City head? I am. My problem is, is that my memory is bad. So <laughs> while I've watched it maybe five times, like I don't remember all the details. So it was really nice to go back and rewatch some episodes. Then I got sucked in. I started going back mm. to older episodes. It was a big disaster. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, I, I came to it uh, similarly a bit later because I didn't have HBO at the time. So I got into it when uh, I, I borrowed actually my friend's DVD box set and just would watch, like spend a whole weekend before binging was a thing, spent the whole mm -hmm. weekend like watching the whole thing. And then I remember every time I was like, had a bad breakup with a guy or a relationship, I would find the most similar experience that happened in the Sex in the City canon and rewatch those episodes to figure out how to process <laughs> whatever breakup I was going through. That could be like a so, really yeah. specific therapeutic format that somebody could adapt. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you don't need therapy, you just need to pull up this episode of Sex in the City. A hundred percent. It did help. It really did help. That's actually <laughs> brilliant, Bane. Like the way that therapists are prescribe prescribing like ketamine to some people now, like Sex in the City could very much play that role for a certain <laughs> type of healing. I know it is for me. <laughs> Bane, when you were, you know, living in New York, doing the like young actor thing yeah. and a Sex and the City fan, were you, was your dating life a, were you having your own Carrie Bradshaw experience there? I was having, what did that look like? I was having like the Carrie Bradshaw on ketamine. <laughs> Basically it was like, it was like the, it was like the underbelly. Like I was having so many insane experiences and this was when online dating was really was really new. We're talking like the OG mm. sites of like nerve.com and like the the very first oh, wow. and I was I was all in in it. I was I was very open to it at the time. And I had so many completely insane things like straight up people ordering a bunch of stuff and then being like, "Well, I don't have any money." So you got this one, you know, and like like just oh, it was like the opposite of the glamorous life. So it was nice to be able to look through that lens and be like, we are living in the same city, but we are having such wildly different experiences. You know, taking the subway home from these dates and it's like it's like that overhead lighting and like someone barfs on the subway oh. and you're like, like Carrie Bradshaw is just a stone's throw from here having such a different life, but maybe someday I'll have that life. And look at you now. <laughs> Let's talk about that Carrie Bradshaw life because, uh, you know, in the opening, she gets this letter in the mail from Alexander Petrovsky, mm. played, of course, by Mikhail Baryshnikov. They go on this walk and their their love story is really like kicking off here. But I got to be honest, 
I, I've talked a lot about my disdain for Big, but Alexander is—he really turns my stomach. Oh. He's worse than Burger for me. Well, yeah. Let me ask. Let me pose it to you this way: Nadine is Alexander Carey's worst boyfriend ever. You know what? I hated him, Matt, when I was watching it, like way back, you know, fifteen years ago or whatever it was, twenty years ago. Hated it. Hated him, didn't understand the appeal, but now I'm watching with 40-year-old eyes. Oh, <laughs> and I'm and like, what are you seeing? Oh, I'm like, oh, he's sexy. I always thought he was disgusting. <laughs> That's so rude. I was not attracted <laughs> to him when I was 20, whatever. Now I'm like, oh, this is a yum-yum daddy a little bit. <laughs> so I've come around and like, that was a shocking moment. That was the biggest shock in re-watching this episode. Was that I was attracted to him, but yes, you could. It's very clear there is. It's just like a sexual chemistry between them that that he doesn't get her jokes. They don't know how to play around, really. Yeah. So yeah, definitely not a good match for me. I thought that that was universally understood that he was terrible. Uh, Bane, I'm curious your take because when I was ta- I was talking to my husband Michael before we got on, and I was like, ugh, it's someone with. Alexander Petrovsky, and he was like, oh, he's he's my favorite of <gasps> Carrie's boyfriends. I was like, what the hell are you? How am I just now learning this? I'm like, it's not the age thing. I know they 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 sort of make a lot of hay about that. It's like part of it is just Carrie is four feet tall and like 75 pounds wet, and he's the same size as her. I'm like, this is a tiny <laughs> little Russian man. But I think if I'm really being honest. It's the fact that he eats dinner at 10 p.m., at night, which is to me is just like so gross. It's like, I mean, I eat dinner at five. I'm like, Tanuk, please grow up. I, Alexander. I was cringing so much. And I hadn't watched this episode in a long time. And let me just give a little context that I was a ballet nerd growing up. And we, we used to oh. watch like old VHS tapes of Barishnikov. I, in fact, stenciled my own t shirt in fifth grade that said, I love Barishnikov. That's, Oh my god, I was. And I wore it to school oh with my, my parachute pants. And I definitely got a lot of shit for it. <laughs> like it was not I w- it was not cool at all. So when I met him and I was there and I was in the same room with him, I was very starstruck. But he in the episode when he goes to kiss her neck and they're sitting on that park bench, I really felt like I could see the actress as JP like cringe and shiver. And then, like, like it was gross. And then the next scene, she's like, I almost had sex with him on a park bench. And I'm like, did you? Because I felt like I could be like, like, it was very uncomfortable for me. And then just, I was trying to kind of pinpoint it last night. I was thinking about it. And I think it was, it's his performative, like what, what, Mm -hmm. what the character Carrie says. It's like, it's all feels very performative. And like, there's been a million women in and out that you've like written that the note for on your stationery, and it doesn't ever feel like he's really having an authentic, you know, moment with her. Which they lay really early when she yeah. when she goes like, "Oh, there's not a mouse trap in there," and and he doesn't get the joke. It's like they they're really laying that in there for the audience. But I mm-hmm. also feel like there is zero chemistry between the two actors. Zero. Agreed. I feel like SJP was like. I love Barishnikov. He's an icon. Obviously, we're going to be, it's going to be fireworks. But then he gets on there and it's like, it's not, I'm going to be very honest. I think in retrospect, I think I learned who Barishnikov was through this show. Really? I don't think I, and, and now I'm, I don't obviously think I, I know. I did either. I'm, 
But that makes sense. And I saw him perform once. Unless you were in the dance world in some way, you know, like. Many of you will recall in the classic film Sex and the City part deux, that's right, talking about the sequel, our beloved Samantha is going through menopause. She has a whole bunch of hormones she's taken. They all get confiscated at the airport. So then they're on their trip. She's uh, eating a bunch of hummus because she thinks it's going to alleviate the symptoms. Well, if only Samantha had access to this week's sponsor, Hormone Harmony. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women are talking about this nonstop on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. And right now you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com when you use promo code like Matt. Now, Happy Mammoth is the company that created Hormone Harmony. They're dedicated to making women's lives easier. That means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code LIKEMAT at checkout. That's H-A-P-P-M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. Promo code like Matt for 15% off your first order. Do y'all remember that episode where Samantha does a, like an unfortunate facial laser treatment and she ends up looking real, real red? She's like, oh, my skin. <sighs> Perfect impression, by the way. Um, well, I have been there because I'm a retinol user. And as I'm sure you know, retinol has its upsides, but it also can cause redness and irritation. So I'm always looking for a skincare routine that's going to help me combat that redness and that irritation and do everything else. And I have finally found it with One Skin. One Skin is here to help you simplify your skincare regimen. One Skin proves you don't need a complicated routine to achieve better skin. Their topical supplements make it easy to help your skin stay younger and healthier without all the extra steps. And One Skin is more than skincare. It's about skin longevity, targeting the root causes of aging to help you look and feel your best at every age. If you get started today, you get 15% off using code LIKEMAT at oneskin.co. That's 15% off at oneskin.co with code LIKEMAT. And after you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Let them know that you heard about them right here on And Just Like Matt. It's time to expect more from your skincare routine. Invest in the health of your skin with one skin. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I did see him perform live after this. It, it, it did, he did the, some show here in LA, I think with Willem Dafoe. And he it was amazing. And But of course, I'm watching it through the lens of like, oh, it's the guy from yeah, Sex and the City. city. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean, I will say on a positive note, just even starting from their first scene together, and then we get a few more of these, like so much autumn in New York porn yes. in this episode, just like mm. beautiful walks outside in the parks with the leaves changing. Bane and I are in LA. We're not getting any of that. Very nice to see that. And also very fun waxing scene. You know, where Carrie's learning Russian in between the painful strips. Gotta say, Carrie walked so that 40-year-old version could run. Yes. With that <laughs> little comedy scene. Yes. I also really love this sort of rhythmic thing she does with the like the ooh, ah. Like it was very satisfying yeah. to me that yeah. whole whether it was on the page or not, I was like the way they cut it, it it worked. It, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was reminded how comedic the original series was. I don't when I was watching other 
episodes too. It's like they're such brilliant comic actors. Yes. A lot of the physical comedy, like all the sex scenes are always so funny. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the great comedians like Barishnikov, you know. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Stealing the show with all his clown. Well, I, uh-huh. do, I do remember this and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I do remember that there was a lot of problem understanding him. And I do remember mm. that the day they were, he was shooting and I was shooting my thing. They were really grilling him. Like the script supervisor was really grilling him because he wasn't getting the lines correct. And I remember at one point he turned and he goes, mm. I'm going to wring your neck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I'm just trying to do my job because people need to hear the dialogue. And so there was definitely a lot of like attention being paid to like, we just need you to get the lot. We just need you to get it, get it once. One. Yeah, like just, just one like, get it clean time. one time. Yeah. I, yeah, because we need the character to get certain words wrong as written, but not every word. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Bane, I have to hear, I hope we get into this audition story. Oh, yeah. Point. Oh, yeah. Like, we're going oh, through yeah. every beat of yes. this okay, and every moment. <laughs> we're going to do two more hours just on okay, the, good, good, good. getting the part. That's before we even gets to set. <laughs> the first time Carrie Google someone, she 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 learns about google.com in this, <laughs> in this episode. Also, the Carrie and Samantha walk and talk scene where Samantha, you know, wants to know how the pancakes were. Yes. I mean, I say this every, I'm just a broken record. The chemistry between those two actors, talk about chemistry. Yes. She may not have it with Barishnikov, but my God, does she have it with Kim Cattrall? I know. And isn't that it's wild? Because it wild. really is, like you said in the last episode, like it's just there. And maybe they didn't even yeah. hang out off set or whatever, but they start down that street and you just really do believe that they're friends. Yeah. Also, do we know if they were never friends? Do we have that information? I don't know if we do. We don't. Okay. Yeah. But speaking of Samantha, she she brings up the crux of the issue that Carrie is grappling with here, which is, you know, about trying to keep it light and playing hard to get with a man who is hard to get. And I got to say, in my young single days, the only time I could play hard to get successfully was when it was <laughs> with someone that I truly did not care about. But but then it always worked, like they they and and I can say that only because the reverse is also true that anytime somebody played hard to get with me, it really worked. I was like, I like you, I I agree with you. Yeah. Same with like professional rejections. I'm just like God. I respect anybody who does not want this. <laughs> but talk to me about your your experiences with playing hard to get in your own lives. Nadine, is that how you landed Chargel? (laughs) (laughs) I guess it is how I landed Chargel. Um, There were times where I definitely faked it, but I'm just so bad at faking it when I like someone. So just, yeah, I, I don't think it has ever actually worked. The only time it works is when I legitimately don't feel anything and it's like you're able to be casual but I also found it interesting that she was so anxious in her relationship or the start of the this relationship with Alexander because I feel like he didn't give her other than her own googling I didn't feel like he gave her any reason to like be worried that he wasn't into her I don't know if that res like 
If yeah, you're right. Thing. She yeah, because you're right. Because she was she kept talking about the other women, and like he never referenced other women. No, had they been in his house, or like had all the people working in his house, let's say, were all models or whatever, walking around naked, it yeah. would be a different thing, right? But anyways, that's just that. I think. Um, but no, I, I I don't know how to play hard to get. I people say fake it till you make it. I can't. I am a very poor actress in that regard. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and like what you see is what you get, unfortunately. But how I've are tried. You, uh, Hey, question for you. Do you like to eat? Do you like to save money? Do you like flexibility and ease? Well, then I couldn't help but wonder, have you ever heard of Factor? Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They make eating better every day easy. These are two-minute meals, restaurant-quality food. It's ready to heat and eat whenever you are. And right now, if you go to factormeals.com slash likemat50 and use code likemat50, you're going to get 50% off. I'm talking snacks. I'm talking smoothies. I'm talking breakfast, midday bites, and more. And by the way, they've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout. And every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Flexible for your schedule, as much or as little as you need. You can choose six to 18 meals per week. You can pause, reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals, 100% ready to eat and eat. Head over to factormeals.com slash likemat50 and use code likemat50 to get 50% off. That's code likemat50 at factormeals.com slash likemat50 to get 50% off. Uh, same, and I continue, and I continue to fail. Bane, how are you with playing hard to oh, get? Oh, horrendous! I mean, it it's it's my worst play. Like, I think me playing hard to get is the equivalent of someone not knowing I exist. You know, it's like 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 if I'm hard to get, yes. they're ne- they're never getting they're never getting me because they're they're just unaware that I'm I'm around. Um, I think there there was one time. That I and I didn't even mean to play hard to get, but it really was sort of this long elongated dance back and forth with um, one boyfriend who, like, he was very interested and I wasn't, and then I was kind of very interested and he was sort of not paying attention to me. He was focused on other things, and there was sort of this months long back and forth. And I remember one time I was in a play and he brought flowers and I was like very embarrassed because I was like I just don't like him and then so this sort of back and forth and then when we actually both realized that we liked each other it was very satisfying but it but it was because it was genuine there was not any game playing it was it was actually real sort of back and forth but that is really the only time and and my flaw is that I have no um, game. I'm working on it. But my thing is I'm like, I come on, I'm like very transparent. I really like you. And uh, that doesn't go over well most of the time. It's just too much. So it, it doesn't to- go over well when it's the wrong person. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So I think I'm learning to hold, hold a little bit back. And, and, but it's, I think with Carrie, I think she, it, it was more that she was trying something new. Um, from her previous relationships. And it wasn't so much that she was being hard to get. I mean, she calls it that, but I think it's that she's like, let me just try this totally out of the box thing where I'm just going to, he's going to be a lover and I'm not going to get attached and it's just going to be fun. And at the same time, Samantha is, you know, with Smith and she's sort of saying like, this isn't really my usual thing. Like, 
Mm -hmm. She goes running back to Richard, which doesn't go well. So it's like Carrie wants to try something new. Samantha's thinking she wants to go back to the old familiar. And I think it's Carrie having cold feet about this is this is uncharted waters for me. I don't understand what to do. And I think she was sort of used to being in control. And when she comes down the stairs and there's all those people and she sort of feels like very insecure, I think that's kind of the vibe that she doesn't like about the whole thing. She's like, oh, I feel yeah, like I feel yeah. like a, a rookie here. Yeah, but and, and and it's also the thing that keeps her wanting more. It's like this guy is so important. I can't quite it's like the thing that Big used to say about the whatever movie star he was dating, where it's like she can reach, reach me, me, but I, but I can't can never reach her. reach her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You mentioned the Miranda thing. It's so great to see an episode where Miranda and Steve are together and it's going well after seeing, after like (laughs) dealing with and just like that so much. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot that they had, they were really great together for a period of time. But I I, got to say really felt for Robert Blair Underwood, you know, (laughs) Miranda's navigating the awkwardness of having dated a neighbor. They really do Robert dirty here because he was this normal, nice guy, and now he's like so angry oh. that Miranda dumped him. <laughs> and at first, you're like, "Really, Blair Underwood? Like, you're this obsessed with Miranda? With no, all nothing but love and respect for my Miranda?" But I'm like, "You're Blair Underwood." But then he's over it very quickly, and apparently, he's got like, I think they implied that it was like multiple sex workers at his part. I'm just like, "Is Robert okay?" Yeah, <laughs> what's I mean, happening? He, with Robert? I was laughing. I mean, I forgot how hard he goes. Had her on. First of all, I love this Miranda storyline because I love the way she plays this straight down the line where she's like, be kind. You know, he's still in love. Like, I found that so, I was, this is so funny. And she's such a great actress. But I forgot how sort of crazy Robert goes in the stairwell when he's imitating her. And it was, it's so wildly uncomfortable. And I think he's just really enjoying. He's like, he's like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna make this woman move. Like, I think he's <laughs> like, you you, di- you dicked me over, and so now I am going. Like, I don't really care that much, but I know I can yeah. just like do this and make your life miserable. But it, it I mean, it. Yeah. I forgot that he said that thing about like no one's ever been this deep inside me. I was like, no, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> he's so brilliant too. Like, so I good. missed him, and and that scene is such a. Like shining moment for him because <laughs> he really goes hard. He yeah, really another character I'd like to see come back in and just like that. Oh, Robert reappearing, yes, Miranda please. being like, "Guess what? I'm a lesbian." It turns out, <laughs> water under the bridge. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. It was it was refreshing to see them get along and happy and like, oh yeah, this is why they were together. And just yeah. Steve being that that sweet Steve when when he comes back. To her, and she says, "Was he very upset?" And she's like, "He's he just like kind of gives it to her, like, yeah, don't worry." And then he makes himself into the hero, mm. but he doesn't want to tell her. He's like, yeah, there were prostitutes there, or sex workers there. Like, <laughs> he, like he spares her that. He spares her that, which is which is also such a nice little ending of that story. Yeah, line. such a so sweet, such a Steve move. I just thought Robert like found a bunch of ladies at the club or a restaurant. I didn't. I didn't think. That he hired them. I was like, I this only, guy yeah, there was up. something in the voiceover, the Carrie's voiceover that sort of implied that they, I can't even remember what the line was, I but I, I, it could go, I think it might be open to interpretation. I don't know. Either way, yes, I think 
Robert fucks. Yeah, he is no that, and that was like that was like a Sunday <laughs> night for him. You know, that was like a like just like yeah. regular old night. So meanwhile, Charlotte mm. has decided to volunteer with the blind. <laughs> she has to sort of go on go through like training with a brilliant young coordinator. <laughs> Who explains, you know, how she's in order to like get accustomed to the job, she's going to need to walk around blindfolded in public. And that coordinator was played by Bane Gibby. Yes. So Bane, first, we're going to get into your thing, your first, my very first guest star, television right? Job, yeah. Oh first, wow. wow! First, God, and and something that you're a fan <sighs> of, like I. So, what were, what did your career look like? When this audition came around, my career you... looked very much like the dating life at the same at this time. It was like I was <laughs> I was like really wanting it to go well, and it wasn't going well. I was I was I had been in New York about seven years at this time. I was doing a lot of improv and some sketch and you know stuff like that, and I was doing stand up, which was like comedic. I wasn't doing traditional stand up. I'd write these comedic songs, and I was like doing those at like. Oh. comedy clubs and like any any I mean like four or five nights a week I was like out doing that just because it made me feel like I was creating something and doing something but I could not get anything going in terms of like a real audition or like an agent or a manager and I was trying so hard and I was starting to get it was starting to get to a very critical point for me where I was starting to have very serious conversations with myself like you're trying really hard you can't really seem to shake anything loose don't know what to do next, but I, I was feeling like this intense pressure, self-imposed, but I was feeling like mm. something really has to sort of shake loose or I can't really, this is not sustainable. I was like teaching preschool and I had made a CD of my comedic songs. Again, this is like giving you the time capsule. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I made my own CD. And wow. someone had given it to the casting director of Sex and the City, whose name was Cammie oh, no. Hickman, and had said like, you know, oh, you should listen to this at the gym. This, this girl's really funny. And this is like one of her live shows. So she listened to it at the gym, emailed me on my AOL, you know, at the time, and mm -hmm. like called me in for another show called Hope and Faith. Kelly Ripa was in it. Oh, Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like way too young for the role, but she, like I got to meet her. She's like, oh, okay, now that I've sort of laid eyes on you and I kind of have more of a sense of who you are, I'll, I'll bring you in for something else. And I was like, great. Like this was like my first little toehold of like something going my way. And then I got the Sex in the City audition. And I was like, holy. The second audition. The second audition. Oh, my God. And I was like, holy cow. And so it was, the the role was called volunteer coordinator. And <laughs> I, you know, got my, my, my slacks, my black slacks. And it was probably like a shiny shirt or something. I can't remember what I was wearing. Went to the audition and I had my little, you know, had rehearsed. And I remember this girl in the waiting room going, I mean, this is like, there's just like nothing to the scene, you know, like it's just like pushing story forward. Like, what do you what do you do with this? You know, kind of looking to me and I was like, well, I have you know, like I have something like I have a little idea. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to mm -hmm. tell you what it is, you know. <laughs> and what was the something? Well, just that, you know, she's she gives the information. There's like not a, there's a little phone call in there, too, that that got cut out. But just that when when I, you know, I was going to sort of play like 
I need her to get out of my office. Like, okay, bye. Yeah. Oh, you know, and and I remember I go in and it was very intimidating because Michael's sitting there. They're all sitting there in these chairs. It's like kind of a little <gasps> bit of Michael, a, was, Michael there. was there, and it was like a little bit of a cavernous room and like a lot of space between me and them. And I just remember right before I went into the room, someone turned to me, and I always try to replicate this in my head now. Someone turned to me and they were like, did I see you doing comedy at the cutting room? And I was like, yeah, I have a regular show at the cutting room. And he goes, you're really funny. And it was like, it was like this like adrenaline filled my body where I was like, I am funny. I can be really funny. I just need to go in there and be funny. Just like this fucking guy I just said, you know, like don't be intimidated, you know. And so that just like filled me up and I went in and I did the scene and I did the like, okay, bye at the end. And they all cracked up. And then I went like, I don't know what happened. I went out of my body. I did this huge curtsy and I went, thank you. <laughs> That's adorable. And then they, they, and they like oh laughed again. Cause it was just like, it was just like, she's just being real. And, and then Michael was like, that was really great. Can you just do the whole thing again? Just like that, which I realized was just to see if I could replicate it over and over again. Right. Cause it's like a single camera show. So I do it again. He's like, great. And they were just like, that's, that was great. And I was like, okay. And I left. I was like, I think, I, mean, I don't really know, but I think I did a great job. And the casting director did like an instant messenger on AOL. Like a couple days later, she, she like, it was so funny because it's so weird. It never, oh that God. never happens. But she like sent me a DM that was like, hey, you've been booked for the role of volunteer coordinator. <gasps> and I was just like, because you have to understand, like, I couldn't get anything going, you know? So this was just, like, oh, this massive, like, hallelujah, it's holy, huge. holy, holy crap. Yeah. So That is was- huge. And it makes you feel like all the hard work you were putting in was worth something, right? A hundred percent. And it makes you feel like I- maybe I'm not insane. Like, maybe I actually can, yeah. you know, like, because there are these moments that everybody has, I don't care where you are in your career, that you're like, am I delusional? You know, like if things don't go your way for a little period of time, you're like, is it over? Like, should I just, is this not happening? Should I sort of come to my senses? And, you know, so it was one of these moments. It was like the first moment like that where I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and then fear because I'm like, oh my God, now I have to do it. Like, am I, do I know what I'm doing? And Mm. the table, go to the table read now. And it's like Barishnikov, it's all the women. And, and my brother, my brother was an actor and he had been in a play with Cynthia Nixon. So when she walked in, cause I had oh, like, wow. I had like met her maybe once or twice after the play or whatever. And I said, I said, Hey, I'm Cynthia. I'm Bane Gibby. My brother Ross was in the play country club with you. And she was like, Oh, he's so great. So she sees the little sign at my, at my place that says volunteer coordinator. And she thought I was like a volunteer coordinator on the set of the city. So she, so she said something like, so what volunteers are you going to be coordinating, you know, for us? And like, how long are you going to be working on set with us? Or like something like that. I was like, I was like, oh, just one episode. You know, I'm playing, you know, I interview Charlotte. And then she understood. She's like, oh, oh, that's oh, okay. So that's so funny. Yeah, so we do the table read and I'm like. I literally was shaking. It was like my, I could feel my entire body shaking. 
and kind of just barely got through the, you know, the one little thing that I had to do. And everyone's like, they're Mm. all so comfortable. And there's like this huge spread of food, delicious food. And everyone is like eating and like talking with, you know, just food, you know, so chill. And I had like a strawberry on my plate. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) I was like, I couldn't possibly eat it. I couldn't possibly eat a Of course plate. not. Yeah, I was super nervous. Should I talk about the shoot? I want to hear every okay. bit of it. Yeah. Okay, so, so I mean, first of all, obviously, you didn't get fired from the I table read. I didn't get read, fired. It was, I was nervous. It was fine. There was definitely some tension. I will say this. There was definitely some tension at the table read between the women. And mm. I didn't know. There was nothing at the time in the press. This was all stuff we learned later. But uh, I do remember one of them coming in and like moving their place to be like, not next to somebody else. And so talking that and like, oh, this should be over here. And like, I want to sit over here. And there, I could just sense like, oh, there's, there seems to be some, 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 something going, some friction going Mm -hmm. on. But I was also like, so overwhelmed taking it all in that, you know, I I did notice it because we were really at the tippy tail end. This was like the first episode of the second half of season six. So I think whatever had been happening was in full, yeah. full like annoyances were, in full, were in full full bloom. So we get the we go to get the shoot date and I have to go out to Silver Cup Studios uh in Queens and I have to go from Brooklyn to Queens and I'm terrified that I'm going to be late cuz the you know the subways are very unpredictable so I get there I get there literally an hour early. And I'm just like sitting outside. Silver, Great. Yeah, sitting outside Silver Cup Studios, like on a like cement steps, just like. And I didn't know. I was like, I'm not gonna go there with no makeup on because I'll look terrible. Like I didn't. I, it was like so many things were so many things were new. So I was like, well, so I, I I can't go anywhere with no makeup on. So I'll just wear my makeup. And so then when I got there, they were like, Are you already wearing makeup? And I was like, Well, yeah. Like I, it was like there were just so many things that I did that. Nobody sort of tells you, like, of course, you go with no makeup no one on and they you. do your makeup, mm-hmm. you know. And I was just like every step of the way, just like bumbling and awkward, but it felt like, you know, Christmas morning. So we get to the the set and I get in the chair and Kristen Davis is very all business. You know, she is not mm-hmm. warm and fuzzy and I'm kind of like following her lead. I'm just like, hi. And she's like, hi. And I remember she was talking about, you know, that she had all these things she needed to sign because they get asked to sign so many things. And she was like, there's just so much. Mm. Do you have any idea how many things I'm asked to sign? I'm asked to sign so (laughs) many things, like 400 things I had to sign (laughs) yesterday. And I'm sitting there going like, I'm like, so (laughs) glad I'm here. Like if someone asked me to sign, (laughs) someone asked me to sign anything, you know? You know, it was just, there was just, there was such a like disparity between our two, you know, positions. And so I was just super awkward and we do the, we do the wide shot and there's like, I said, there's a phone call that had been cut out and this is how much I didn't know. The phone is supposed to ring and I'm like waiting for the phone to ring and I'm like, and it's not ringing. And I look, I like look Mm -hmm. to the director and he's like, ring, it's not going to ring. We're going to put it in in post. Like... (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> like, 
That's like it doesn't so ring, you know, but it was like, again, like every, at every turn I was just confronted with like, I have a theater degree and yet I don't know anything. Like I don't know what I'm, and I'm just bumbling around. I'm just like in a pinball machine making mistakes at every turn, but it's okay. Uh. So I'm just like, okay, okay. So he's like, ring, ring, just pick up the phone. You know, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Hello. You know, <laughs> so, so we do the wide, we maybe do it like three times. And, and they're like, okay, we got it. And, um, and they go to like change the setup to go in for like the coverage and the close-ups. And I thought we were done. And so I shake Kristen Davis's hand and I was like, thank you so much. It was so nice. (laughs) 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 It was so nice working with you. And she's like, oh, we're not done. We have to do the medium and then we have to do our close-ups. And I turned to her and I was like, this is my first job. I have no idea what's going on. And then she, and then it was like everything changed and she goes, oh, come here. All right. Let me explain everything to you. You know, and then she was like, oh, that's yeah, and so it was nice. like everything changed and she was like, okay, so now they're going to do my close up and blah, 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 blah. Like, and then they're going to turn around and each time it's going to take a couple minutes. And anyway, so then it was like, then it was like a whole new world where she could, she could kind of like, she was like, oh, I can be like your, you know, your first uh, like onset. Yeah. Friend. Your fairy godmother. Fairy godmother. Yeah. So then she was like, you know, she was, we were chit-chatting and what was crazy is, so my brother is an actor, Ross, and he had actually also been on Sex and the City. He plays Brad the Bad Kisser. So, so we were chatting about that where I was like- Who's, and who kisses, Charlotte kisses Brad? Yeah. So Charlotte kisses Brad and he like sucks on her face and gives her like, like, you know, and so I was like, my brother is Brad the Bad Kisser. And she was like, no way. So we were having just like a lovely little chat. Um, And she was like, I see him around in New York City. He's really nice. He's a great guy. So we have, yeah, so we finish. We have this like, you know, we do the coverage and, you know, I kind of get a a sense of like, oh, all right, this is how it works. It's really slow. You do it, you do it a, a zillion times and from all the different angles. And then, and then it was over and it was like, I I had that first feeling of like, I had just gotten my bearings and then it was time Mm. to go home. And And it was was like, yeah. And then I was like riding the subway home and you, you know, you just have this, like your body's like filled with this excitement. And I remember then the next day I went back to my, my job at the preschool where I had to literally mop the floor, like, you know, we took turns (laughs) mopping. And one of the workers wow. was like, I mean, she didn't mean to be mean, but it was like it hit really hard. She's like, oh, so crazy, right? Like yesterday, a movie star, and today you're mopping the floor like Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And I was like, that's Wow, exactly so the fairy right. godmother metaphor is actually very apt. <laughs> yes. Like she, yeah, we thread it. We right were threading it through. Yeah, so it was- Turned back into a pumpkin. Yeah, so I turned back to into a pumpkin, but it was sort of the first of those cycles of so many. I mean, we still have them, right? It's like yeah. you come from the, and you're yeah. driving home from the job, and it's like the adrenaline is coming through your body, coming through your body, and then you're at home and you're like, oh, I have, now I have to make dinner, you know? It's like back to reality, but in a way, it's such a beautiful cycle because it was kind of my first taste of this thing that I thought that I've wanted for so long. I actually really do want it. Like I got into the situation and even though I made all these mistakes and I'm like bumbling around and kind of messing up, I still got it done and loved it. So it was like, oh, well, that's good news because if I actually got myself in this situation and realized I didn't really like it, that would be pretty bad. 
Also, you were wonderful too. Like, and it's yes. very hard. I feel like the first time on camera, like on a professional set with a lead is really hard to uh, deliver in a natural, comfortable way. So thank you. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's fun it's, to think back on it too, because I, I don't, haven't thought about this in a long time. So it's really nice to remember it. It's, it's really interesting to think back to specifically the moment that you get the, that you go into the audition you know that you're you're so nervous right before and then somebody says to you in passing that you're really funny and you then you remind yourself of that and that it was like you were reminded to keep it light it was like the yes. theme of the episode was the also the lesson you had to learn in life yes it's such a good point and i try to do that if i see someone who i've seen in something in the waiting room i always think, oh, should I say something? And then I'm like, yes, I should, because that might just be the exact thing that they need yeah. to hear, like somebody you know, did for me. And it really did change the way that I felt walking in. And so, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. That's a generous approach. You know, it's Nadine DeJury famously goes into waiting rooms with her sunglasses on <laughs> and she won't take them off. Yeah, I don't talk to anyone. And, and I mean, there's, yeah, there's very I, intimidating. There's a lot of- I thought- People who do go ahead. Well, there's a lot of people who do do like mind games. Like I remember once at 200 South, where I ran into you the other day. Um, yes. Somebody walked into like the space and went, "It smells like dirty feet in here." <laughs> I was like, and then I was like, "Is it my? Is it is it me who smells?" You know, and it's like I was like later, I was like, I think she came in and really tried to fuck with all of our. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> That's funny. <sighs> It's just, it's, it still bewilders me that how you go on set and you don't know anyone unless you studied like the call yeah. sheet the night before and they all know who you are. Yeah. And I've tried to like make a point. I'm like, I'm going to Tom Hanks this shit. I'm going to say hi and introduce myself to everyone I meet. And then I did that once and then forgot to do it every other time <laughs> after that. But it is like, it's important. I don't know. You, you don't know who you're working with and well, how long they've been doing that. Maybe they're feeling the same way too. They also don't know anyone. It's a very yeah. vulnerable feeling. And the one set that I was on that I thought was so, it was so great because on Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig made everybody wear name tags with your name and what you did. And that was so helpful because That's half so the time you're like, is the sound person's name John or is that, the, you know, like, yeah. and you're just like, lost. And then by the time you kind of get your bearings, you're leaving. And so I thought that was so great because then you could just like call people by name and then you just pulled it off right before you were shooting and you put it back on afterwards. Cause it's like, it is a very disconcerting feeling coming into a show in like the sixth season or the 10th season or like where it's like a well-oiled machine and everyone has this vibe of total relaxation. Like they're at work, but mm. it's like they're yeah. so relaxed and you're just in fight or flight. And I remember on so many guest star jobs where I'm like, I would love to be that relaxed. Like I would love to get to mm. do yeah. this and to know that if I mess up, I'm not going to berate myself the whole way home, you know, because people mess up and it's not a big deal. But when you only yeah, have just a like day on the job. one little thing to do, you're like, well, if I mess up, it's going to look like I'm not prepared. And so I still think about that a lot and think about like when people are just, you know, they're just like laughing in between takes <laughs> and then they're like action, you know, that they're just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you watch bloopers from like the set of a sitcom when you're just like, wow, they are, 
they have the best job in the entire world. Yeah. And when I've been on the set of a sitcom for like an hour to like come and say my one line, it ain't like that. No, it's and really it really stressful. is. And there's another great lesson for, I mean, I think for actors, but for anyone in your story, which is that like so much of going to set is like pretending that you know what you're doing even when you don't and yep. not and trying not to stand out and trying to just be like, oh yeah, this is this. Well, I know exactly what my role is, exactly what the rhythms are. I know how to sort of like, I know when it's time to just kick back in my chair. I know when it's time to get up. And you often don't, know that you you just don't know what the like rhythms and culture of that show is but in your case you said when you finally just said openly to Chris and Davis like this is my first job I don't know what I'm doing it unlocked everything it it, it was like it was a full reset it was like she looked at me with yeah. totally different eyes and yeah and that you know it and it's not easy to be it's that thing you know vulnerability is brave you know but in yes. that regard I felt like I was just in this I was just in the most socially awkward because, you know, there's just the two of us. And then, you know, they're changing the lights and you're just sort of like <laughs> sitting in silence, you know, <laughs> so intensely awkward. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. So you're like, do people want to make small talk with me? Do they want me to be yeah. silent? Am I am I supposed to be making a joke right now? It's it's hell. It, 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 and it's a lot of the energy to be a lead to like and 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 take care of so many people on set. So I I also feel for the leads of shows like they probably just want to get like conserve their energy, go through get through the day, sign yeah. their four hundred, sign their four hundred things, 400 is- yeah, and and <laughs> and so get funny. on with it. Yeah, no, it's true, it's true because I do remember like. On Enlightened, they would have to tell people, like, give Laura breaks, you know, because people would want to, like, joke around with her in between. And Hmm. not we wouldn't be thinking about the fact that, well, she's in every single scene. So not only is she in every scene, the breaks are really her only time to just kind of – and the rest of us are like, (laughs) like, joking around during the breaks. But she really needed people to just leave her alone. And, you know, it's like you don't think of that side of it, too. So, yeah, it was – it was – yeah. It was it was an interesting perspective, but my favorite was when they, he was like, "The telephone's not going to ring," you know. <laughs> <laughs> ring, ring, ring! Just and that was a MPK, right? Yeah. He, he also directed yeah. this episode. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. My closest friend. Yes, yes, we yes, love yes, him. You know, there's another iconic cameo in addition to Bane Gibby in this episode. Charlotte's story continues at Barney's and she goes there with Carrie and then she tries to walk around blindfolded and then she finds Carrie trying on shoes and there's Andy Cohen in a non-speaking uncredited <gasps> role. That you was Andy that Cohen? Yes. No, but I did notice that guy and I was like, he's has a very good yes, face right yes, he, he gives like a big nod. <laughs> The first AD was clearly like, no words. We're not paying you for it. That's paying you as so a funny. Actor. That's Andy Cohen, my God. Yes, I feel like- Whatever wow. happened to him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I will never know. Um, I think I was guessing that Sarah Jessica was probably trying to get him on for years because they were really good friends. Yeah. And finally it was like, oh, oh there's yeah. just this shoe salesman. You're not going to say anything. <laughs> We'll get to hang out for like mm-hmm. you could touch half a day. We'll just be together. Yeah. He was like, great. He's like, I great. Mean, yeah. I love it. Anything else from this episode? I mean, we didn't talk, you know, Samantha, we met, touched on her story a little bit, where she's, you know, going to this event, the 30 under 30, where Smith is one of the 30 under 30, but Richard is hosting the event. And 
And yeah, it's kind of parallel to what's going on with Miranda because she's sort of caught between the old boyfriend and the new boyfriend. Richard, by the way, Ugh. I find as repulsive as Petrovsky. Yeah. Just yeah. He's disgusting. a true slime ball. Yeah, was was back then for me and still now. Yeah. Um, but Samantha's performance was really lovely and that moment where she hugs yes. Smith at the end was really It was really beautiful. Know, and it, yeah, you you see her changing and 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 grow it's funny because like Smith needs to grow up, but she's actually the one yes. growing up. Yes. Yeah, it's nice too the way that they really they balance. So Samantha kind of has this you know, a little bit less comedic, more dramatic storyline. And then you kind of have the Miranda funny, you know, elevator stuff to balance it out. Like they Mm -hmm. really do manage to have a good balance between all the different storylines. Like if one is heavy, the other is light, you know. And the other thing that I noticed, I mean, it was so crazy watching this episode because I realized I know almost every line from it because at the time I must, I mean, before I put it on, I thought, well, I kind of remember a few scenes from this. But then once it was playing, I was like, I know this. There's, this is in a deep corner of my brain, every, yeah. every single line. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the really funny little editing things, like when Miranda is waiting for Steve to go and talk to Robert and the mirrored elevators close, and then there are just like those two extras from the building standing there, like the two old ladies. Did you notice that? It's just like the two, this is I like, it's like <laughs> just a sight gag where the elevators close and there's just like, one really short kind of wide lady and one really tall, slim lady, just classic New Yorkers. And they're just like, hold the camera on them for just a second, you know, to just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I just felt like there were some really funny moments like that. that I noticed when another one was when Carrie is walking through Petrovsky's space and he's like, oh, and this used to be a sweatshop. And she goes, that is a lovely story. <laughs> yes i noticed how callous carrie was in this episode i was like okay moving on (laughs) insulting the artist um yeah or i can't remember if that was the episode before i know what there were two things that i thought were funny one the french woman uh that's speaking to him at the end yeah. yeah not at the end in the middle uh, she's just saying stuff in French, and literally she goes, "Va te faire enculer," which means "go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> I think she was just saying French words. It's like the only thing that, that made me laugh. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, because she says it very like, "Maintenant," you know. Like I was like, "This is this is yeah. an American yeah. really trying to serve us." I'm French. French. Authentic oh yeah. French. yeah. She was just saying words of that was funny. And also I noticed a continuity thing. Oh, the hair. Ooh. Tell me if you guys noticed the this. hair. The yes. hair. Yes. Glaring. <laughs> yeah. So she has straight hair when she enters Petrovsky's apartment. After they have sex, it's her hair is curly. And then when she leaves Petrovsky's, yes. again. <gasps> I do oh, I remember did. that. You're so right. And I remember at the time we were all like, what happened? Because we were all watching her hair very intently all the time. I guess you could justify it, you know, they got nasty that night and like her hair for sure frizzed. <laughs> and then she did yeah. it again in the morning. But then like- she, went, she went to the bathroom and did the like flat put on makeup really quick and pretend that I just woke up yes. like this. And she, yes. yeah, flat iron. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody was carrying a flat iron in those days. And- she didn't have anything at his apartment yet. So 
She didn't have any product. She couldn't. She couldn't no. change her look. Mm-mm. Yeah, we got to speak to MPK. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure, sure he was pissed yeah. about that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we got to give him all our notes. Yeah, it's, as soon as she walks into his place, it's like, wow, this is such a beautiful apartment. I've never felt less cozy in a space than I do mm. in Alexander's place. You know, For sure. and that's every. It's like even as shitty as Big was in so many days, like there was a coziness yeah. to him and to their relationship. Mm-hmm. And like, she never felt like remotely comfortable with this guy. No, he's not. He's not cozy. No. But I do like, he, there is a moment at the end where he's like mirroring her. I can't remember what the line was. It's like, why do you like me? I don't know. I just, and he like hits her a little, like, I don't mm. know. I just like you. And I felt like he was like really mirroring her. Yeah, that's his dancer. Mm. Yeah. Well, here's, here's, yeah, he has his charm. Here's a question Do you guys think that they wanted this to feel cozy and intimate? And when it wasn't because the two actors didn't really have the chemistry, they kind of pivoted the storyline to make it like, oh, this was her lesson of, of like, yes, he gives her the dresses oh. and he has all the trappings, but like, it's just not there. Or do you think he was always, Petrovsky was always supposed to be sort of this, oh yeah, he's a famous rich guy, but there's no heart connection. Because I think sometimes like they were going to have her end up with Berger, I read somewhere. And then it was like the, the actors didn't really? really gel. And so then they made that just another sort of relationship. Oh, mm-hmm. that's fascinating. Yeah. We literally just talked about the burger episode before we started recording. And it's like, he's such a flash in the pan. It's so weird to think about a sliding doors universe where, where he was the, he the was one. Mr. Big. Because in a way, yeah. burger was not to get off on a burger tangent, but he was sort of the male equivalent. Like he was an author and he was creative and like they had a lot on on paper in common but they didn't really have a great relationship it didn't yeah but i'm just the petrovsky yeah. thing is just it's i feel like it's we all have one of those in our dating history where it's like i'm going to go with this person who does all these like things that are just so foreign to me and then you just kind of want that comfy old shoe back you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> that old dirty shoe, give those dirty shoe. feet like, sticking those up the two hundred South Broadway. Who wear? Who's wearing stinky feet perfume in here? <laughs> That's so funny. Who smells? <laughs> As if she was accusing one of you of having stinky feet. <laughs> it's you, Nadine DeJory, Bane Gibby. Yes. Both of you have oh. perfect smelling feet. I can tell that <laughs> just <laughs> through the Zoom. <laughs> And so grateful for your your time and your wisdom and Bane. So fun to take this trip down memory lane. Thank you. you for letting me take it because Thank it definitely you. it was nice to dip back into 2004 for a moment and give me that perspective and just to revisit these OG episodes. They're so good. Yeah, so they're good. so good. Agreed. It's been a pleasure, Matt. Thank you. Thank you both. And that's our show. Please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at and just like Matt Pod. And Just Like Matt is a World of Wonder production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkie. Our executive producer is Renee Colvert. Our associate producer is Jess Walinski. And our audio engineer is Justin Matson. Many thanks to Michael Pressman and everyone at World of Wonder. 